Well, hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. This is the next in our series on the Enneagram. So last episode, we talked about an introduction to that, how it affects and impacts our leadership, our motivation, and our soul care. And this episode, we are taking on the heart center. So these are twos, threes, and fours. If this is you, there's someone you know, someone on your team, feel free to forward this along to them as well so they can track along with this whole series. We are talking about this intelligence center in this time. These three numbers, we go into quite a bit of depth. This is my wife, Julie, who is an Enneagram expert. And this was originally hosted on my friend Jason Perkins' podcast, which is called Perko's Podcast. Make sure to check that out. Hope you enjoy this deep dive into numbers two, three, and four, the heart or the shame center. I'd love us for for uh, this particular conversation to dive in to the triad that is around the heart. So the heart center, which are Enneagram's numbers two, three, and four. Awesome. So first, I just want to say a couple things about the heart types, about the heart yes. center in general. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned before, we all use all three centers, head, heart, and gut. Yeah. Um, but for our heart center people, we're going to start there. They they use that center first. So our twos, threes, and fours are going to first process life through their heart. So heart types are all about connection. They're really asking this question throughout their life of like, do you see me? Do you love me? Am I known? Am I important? Right there. Yeah. They want to feel that in connection, but they go about it very different ways according to their types. Yeah. Um, heart types really want to be seen, heard and understood. It's identity. It's very important to them. Um, but they're also, because of that, they're really good at teaching us how to make other people feel really seen and understood, yeah. right? It's what they want. And so therefore it's what they seek to do as well. Yeah. Um, that dominant emotion that I mentioned earlier for our heart types, the battle that they're going to have is against shame and grief. So when a heart type is pushed into a rough situation, their tendency is going to be to go to shame. Okay. Um, and that looks different ways according to each type. Like twos are going to seek to be helpful to others, right? Because um, I'll be helpful and kind because then you'll want me. Yeah. Right. Whereas threes are going to want to be successful, outstanding. I'm going to impress you so that you want me. Yeah. And fours are really going to strive to be, to be, they want to be different, unique, special. No one else is like me, right? I'm unique. So you want me. Yeah. But and it's so, all coming from a similar motive mm -hmm. though. Yeah. It's just Absolutely. how I approach things is going to be different by my type. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yep. So we'll, we'll touch on this more a little bit later, but growth work for our heart types really is just about believing that they already are loved, yes. right? They already have inherent value and worth, even outside of what they can do for other people or yeah. what other people can do for them. Yeah. Um, our heart types tend to be more image conscious. Okay. So if you are not naturally a super image conscious person, which to be honest, we all kind of care a little bit, you know, about. I think our society has, has <laughs> almost forced everyone, no matter what your type is, to be aware of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's there's too much social media to not care at all. But Absolutely. but our hard types, they're they're hardwired that way. Like they they care about um image. They're they did not choose that in themselves. It's a part of who they are, and there's reasons for it. Um, so we're all selling an image, you know, to other people. All of us are, but heart types particular are particularly good at doing this. Um they're their preference, I would say, is really for honest and true connection. Yeah. But if they feel like that is out of reach, sometimes they will settle for fake connection because okay. that feels better than no connection at all. Talk, Julie, unpack the fake connection thing for us. Like, I understand real connection, but what do you mean when you say they'll settle for fake connection? What do you mean by that? So by fake connection, I would say... If you don't really know who I am, you only know the image that I have let you see of me. Yes. You might think that we're closer than I think we are. Yes. Because you might be thinking, oh, I know Julie. She's great. She does this. She thinks that we're really tight. And I might be thinking internally, actually, that's just the stuff that I've let you see about yeah. me. Yeah. Um, we're not as tight as you think we are because you don't really know the real me, but I don't know that I can trust myself or you to show you the actual real me, if I even know it. Yes. So therefore I'm settling for this more surface level connection between us, you know, by either desiring you to need me or trying to impress you or get your accolades or whatever else it may be. But it's about, um, do I feel safe to be authentic with you? Yeah. And sometimes for our heart center people, that feels very risky because the consequence might be a loss of connection or no yes. connection. And yeah. that that is where you get the grief. That's where the grief comes in. Yeah. Um, because losing connection or not having connection with people, not feeling your value and your worth and your love, um, that feels devastating, especially yeah. for our heart types. Hey, Alan, from your coaching uh, time experience, is this the area where leaders oftentimes people know them, but they're not known by anyone? Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's interesting, I think all different, um, all the nine types yes. enter in in a different space via distraction or okay. the things that we do instead of being known for who we are. But yes. it's like I see it in HD for these three types. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it can be helpful at the beginning of coaching. I'll say, I'm really fishing for Enneagram, let's be honest, but I'll say, hey, do you have any personality descriptions that could help me? Strengths finder, <laughs> the Enneagram. And if they don't, then I'll say, would you take some time? Because otherwise, we're actually going to be diagnosing the lack of why you're not getting work done. The reality is you're not motivated in that direction and you don't feel loved. So, of course, it's not about you getting more efficient. Again, the presenting issue versus the real one. And yeah. yeah, what human doesn't fear not being truly known and truly loved? Yeah, no, it's so good. So that's a great overview, Julie. Thank you for taking the time to unpack the motivations of the heart, you know, center triad. Let's dive into number two, that type, an overview, and then chat with us about marriage relationships. Then, you know, Alan or both of you chat about goals. And, and then I really am super stoked to talk about soul care related to the type. Okay, let's dive in. Well, um, yeah. I love starting with type twos because they're so wonderful. 
Okay. Um, I am, I'm being educated in a couple different schools right now where um, the theme that they like to talk about is, let's talk about what's right about you. Um, what is the gift that you have to give the world? And I love that take on the Enneagram because like Alan mentioned before, sometimes parts of it feel prickly yeah. um, and not great. But <laughs> the the whole point of this is to remind us about what is what is inherently good about us. Yeah. So starting with our type two, twos are usually called the giver or the helper. Yeah. Um, their essential qualities are really love, sweetness, nurturing. Um, twos have a superpower and it is knowing what other people need or want. Okay. They're very attuned to others. They're very others focused. Yeah. Um, the basic fear for our twos is of being unlovable or, or unneeded. Those two yeah. tie in together. They think yep. if I'm not needed, am I loved? Um, and that is their basic desires. They want to feel love. They want to feel love, but they also want to be a source of love in the world. Like twos are our nurturers. They see people, um, they'll, they'll scan the edges of the room and see who's, who's in the corner, not talking to anybody who needs to be pulled in, um, who needs to feel connected. They're very, um, friendly, typically outgoing. Um, and yeah, they, they really have a desire to make people feel known and understood and to meet needs. Yeah. Um, every emotion has, or sorry, every type has kind of a driving emotion or a vice. And for twos, it's pride. Um, and for many twos, when they hear that, they think what, like that doesn't fit me. Like I'm always thinking about other people. Why would you say pride? Um, but the reality is it's very much this sense of like, um, oh no, I don't have any needs. I'm here to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it feels selfless to them to be to be totally not acknowledging their own needs or asking anybody else for help or even you know saying when they need to take a break um, that feels very selfless but the reality is if we're honest with ourselves there is a measure of pride in that yeah yeah I don't I, need others. I don't need others anyone's need help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 but mm-hmm. I don't need anyone's help but I sure can help everybody yes yeah. that kind of mantra yeah, yeah. And honestly, it builds a lot of resentment when that is not returned. And so that's been something that's come out in coaching maybe two or three times where there's a serious amount of anger that presented as resentment because here I am serving my tail off in all these different spaces, especially in ministry. All I want is for someone to intuit my needs, serve me back and tell me how impactful that has been. And unfortunately, the two is sort of always doing that. So they can easily get looked over as like, well, they always do that. We dealt with that. He ended up saying, here's what I need from my ministry leader to be able to say, I will continue to serve completely faithfully, just, you know, I'm having an impact. You see me and I make a difference. Bam, changed, resentment went down. Yeah, so good. And all of the sudden, bitterness then no longer has root. And so they can serve with way more freedom and probably serve at a totally different level and capacity. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And, and that's why so much of this information is helpful because we all tend to think that everybody has the capacity to operate the way we do. And so because twos are so naturally intuitive of other people's needs, you know, they, they just, they can just look at a person and think, Oh, I bet, you know, I bet they need a meal. I bet they need a, 
an hour off because I know all the kids are home right now and, and she's probably tired. You know, like they can just intuit people's needs. So therefore we tend to think then if it's so natural for me to intuit other people's needs, why can't other people intuit other people's needs yeah. or why can't other people intuit my needs? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's, um, it's the classic, it's the classic, um, you know, the, the, the whole idea of why isn't everybody else like me? Like I like to have fun. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't everybody want to start a meeting with a fun game? Why do you have to sit there saying <laughs> these first five me- minutes of the meeting that you play this fun game, Perka, it's such a waste of time. We got stuff to get done. Because they like, want efficiency and order type. and yep. moving on to the next thing. Yeah, and we're totally. all so desperately needed, right? Yeah, we we yeah. need every single type. Yeah. Um, and we so, so it's... badly do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Julie, I've heard through the grapevine, which just means somebody talking over a drink at a party, um, that twos are oftentimes mistyped as like the classic Christian mom or mom, as you guys mm-hmm. would say. So like, because they're the Proverbs 31 woman, and if you're listening to this and you're like, what the heck is that? Just do a Google and then you can thank me later for exposing you to something that you're like, oh my goodness. But what is, what is with that? Because I've heard this in kind of Christendom that twos are oftentimes mistyped because they're just trying to be a godly woman. <laughs> yes, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I would say that absolutely um, all Enneagram types are, can be a- any gender. There's no like, yes. this number is mostly male, this number yep. is whatever. Um, so when twos type themselves as, sorry, when females typically type themselves as twos, I always say to them, if you're a woman and you type yourself as a two, you very well might be a two, said, but if you were raised in a certain culture, religion, part of the world, you know, evangelical Christianity, whatever it may be, oftentimes um, women in those environments are raised to be twos. We're taught that this is how a woman should behave. We should be taking care of the needs of other people. We should be you know, intuiting ways to help and to give. We should be the servant. We should be all of this stuff. Put now, the meal train together and get the casserole over to their yes. house because they need it. Right. Yes, yep. absolutely. And while any of those characteristics would be healthy and positive for many people to cultivate, yeah. this, this we're talking about a specific wiring. You yeah. either intuit people's needs or you don't. Like yes. you can, yes, you can move up in your emotional intelligence. You can learn how to spot things. You can just be a sensitive, kind person. And that is awesome. But that does not mean you are a two. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. So, so talk yeah, to it us really then. does take another level of like yeah. dishing that out and hashing it out and figuring out, is this really true? Do I resonate with this motivation of yeah. needing to be needed and loved? I love the fact though, Julie, you said that if, if somebody types themselves as a two, and they happen to be female, they happen to have been raised in a certain culture background, that at least sends up a yellow flag for you to say to them, hey, dig a little bit deeper. I think that's really important for somebody that's listening. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have to think about, here's another thing that complicates it, is we were all raised by somebody, right? Either our parents or another caregiver or a grandparent or somebody, and that person had a type. And what do we do to our children is we try to instill in them the things that are important to us. 
Yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm a type nine, we'll get into it on a different, um, talk, but yeah. I value, uh, people getting along. I want peace in my home. I want, yeah. I want everything to go smoothly. And so one of the biggest things that I harp on my kids about is quit bickering. That's not an important thing to bicker about. You're destroying the peace in my home. Like quit bickering, quit Just bickering. Just get along. And yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's a universal thing. Like no parents yeah. love their kids bickering, but my motivation to get them to stop bickering is because I want my home to be a place of peace yeah. because yeah. that is my wiring. Yeah. So my kids might grow up and try to instill to their kids, quit bickering. It is not necessarily because they're nine, it's because that was a value in their home growing up. So this this takes work and rooting and digging. I, I also say to people, if you think you're a two, like also process through. Some people really are twos and some people realize, oh, you know what? I think I'm a one, but my dad was a two. And so yeah. I was raised being taught these things, you know, yes. so we also have to decipher that kind of yeah. stuff. So good. So talk to us about marriage relationship and relationships with a two. What are some of the things to watch out for? What are some things to lean into? Yeah. So twos make amazing partners. I mean, if you just think about their very makeup, yeah. they are, they're very others focused. And so if they're in a, a marriage or dating relationship, they're, ten, they're going to be more focused on the other person than on themselves. Yes. And many times that can be really wonderful. And other times it can slip into unhealth because yeah. you have to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. Nobody needs to become a martyr or a victim in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So um, twos are very loving. They're very attuned to their partner's needs. They really want to, um, you know, make the relationship happy and positive um, and be really attuned to the other person. They're very loving and empathetic, um, but probably not surprising. They can struggle with boundaries yeah. Because if a two subconsciously feels that they are loved when others need them, then if I say no or I refuse to meet a need, that puts my worthiness into question. Yes. Right? If I um if I don't, you know, so twos can struggle with saying no and twos can yeah. struggle with boundaries. And that's yeah. just and and sometimes just becoming aware of that and realizing the reason why twos need boundaries is because sometimes just out of the kindness of your heart, you're going to end up doing um, work that was not yours to do. Yeah. You're yeah. going to end up doing something that somebody else was supposed to take care of or that somebody else really needed to do themselves in order to learn and grow. Yeah. Um, and if they're not careful, then they can be taken advantage of. So if you're married to a two and you know that they're always going to say yes, when you know, you ask them to go do that or the neighbor asks them to run the carpool or, you know, so-and-so yeah. just had a baby and, and you're going to make them a meal. Um, the wise thing for the person married to a two would be to help them pause and say, have you had rest today? Yes. Yeah. Like, are your needs being met? Are, is your tank full enough to be spending this much time and energy yeah. meeting other people's needs? I can already hear Julie I can already hear some things around soul care that mm -hmm. these guys are going to have to pay attention to. But is would this be true, Julie, that they would have a tendency to maybe drift towards codependency? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now we all operate on a scale, right? It's yeah. like super healthy and self-aware on one side and super dysfunctional and, and unaware on the other side. And we don't start at one end and move slowly up towards the other. Like we're, we're moving up and down the scale all the time throughout different seasons of our life. It could depend on our relationships, our traumas, our behaviors, all this kind of stuff. COVID that just yes. basically turned all of us A to operating stressor. out of literally operating yeah. out of unhealth. Oh. And parts of us came out that we had not seen or were strangers yes. to us. Yeah. So, I mean, I laughed, but that's the reality is like, we've all for many months been living out of the unhealth um, and sort of coping instead of bringing health and peace and flourishing to other people. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I heard it too recently talk about um, this season during COVID and he said, I am a counselor and I'm doing zoom sessions because no one's leaving their home and I'm taking care of my uh, significant other and I am like checking in on all my friends to make sure they're okay. Like it's this constant taking care of everybody else, which is great. I mean, they're hardwired that way. They thrive in that. So let them do it. But yeah. it eventually got to a point where it was like, um, I'm not taking care of myself because twos are going to struggle to feel selfish if they yeah. ever pause to take care of themselves because yeah. they're so focused outwardly on other people. And that yeah. will have an effect on relationships the Absolutely. the the advice given to this um man when he shared his story was your partner wants to love on you so maybe just let her yeah instead of like no 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 i'm good i need to next thing next person yep. take care meet the needs um so yeah that's that's definitely like that's it. big in relationships and in soul yeah. care yeah and, absolutely and even absolutely. in goals to to think as we kind of move over, slide over into the goal space, yes. you can imagine there's always needs to be met. You're in yeah. some kind of nonprofit caregiving or ministry work. It's really going to be hard to focus on your own goals. And it's really going to be easy to get swept up in the difference between the important versus the urgent. Yeah. So coaching someone recently, they've wanted to write a book for 20 years. It hasn't happened because he can always get pulled into somebody else's. Yeah. So I think back to the boundaries Piece. Yeah. It's sometimes they're not even needs, Jason, they're perceived needs that you're going to yeah. see before that person. So I think part of the boundary also may be going where you haven't been invited yeah. um, to serve. And so I think a good question for it too is also, is this something you would like some help with? Yeah. And just simply to ask the question. And then also, I think you're going to have to get out of the environment as a two. Because if you're in an environment where things need to be done, you're just always going to go there, get to the end of your week, and not actually have accomplished the things you had to do for your yeah. role and your calling and your vocation. You just helped a bunch of other people again, which is great. It's just not fully complete. So, so Alan, talk to it. Get really practical for the two that's listening to this. I love what you just said. You, you said you may have to get out of the environment. Are you talking about time blocking, working off-site, on your goals so that you don't get sucked in? Is that what you're talking about? Or are there other practical yeah. things that you've seen that help twos reach their goals? First of all, acknowledging I have goals. Here's yeah. my process to reach them. I'm yeah. going to set time aside because I am worth investing in, which sounds yes. so bizarre because we have such a martyr mentality many times in ministry, but yeah. 
is that these are worth accomplishing. So I think physically get out of this, out of the space, getting out of tech reachability, because yes. if you're a, a need meter, then you're yeah. always going to be looking on social media. And again, I could always bless this family. They have a financial yeah. need. I could go here. I could do this. So I think tech out of sight, out of mind, i.e. Yeah. airplane mode is yes. amazing. I think physical space is getting out of a space where you're needed and maybe even treating yourself. Do you love that coffee shop? We'll spend five bucks a week investing yeah. in yourself for four hours to go to that place you deeply love. Yeah. Um, Except so I would say... Yeah. Um, because twos are so like socially attuned to other people going to that coffee shop, you're going to end up striking up a conversation with the stranger who looks lonely in the so corner. Go, go to a completely <laughs> boring room uh, that you can treat yourself. Or to what you can do is if you need to accomplish a one hour project, then build in three hours to do it. Yeah, because yeah. then when you get sucked into the relational stuff, you still have time to pull back and do do the thing that you set out to accomplish. I love that, Julie, because at the end of the day, I do have some relational needs that be, need to be met and depriving mm -hmm. myself of those is actually going to make me feel crappy as well. So I, I think that's important too. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and I, I would add just two quick things um, still in marriage and relationships Yeah, is that we need to remember that twos are focusing so exclusively on other people's needs that they're yes. repressing or ignoring their own. Yeah. So if you love a two, good things to do for them is acknowledge them, appreciate them, say, yeah. thank you for seeing me. Thank you yeah. for noticing what I need. And thank you for taking care of me. But then also turn that back around and occasionally ask them, not only what do you need, but just what are your feelings? What are your problems? Like, I want to hear from you. Because typically they're the ones asking that of other people. Um, yeah. And that doesn't always come back around to them. And there may be some initial uh, initial deflection, right? Yeah. That, no, 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 no. We don't need to talk yeah. about me. Yeah. Um, but, but pushing in and reminding them that they are, hey, you can say no to me and I will still love you. Like, hey, can you do this thing on Saturday? If you can't, it's okay. Like yeah. that validating them and reassuring them that when they say no, it's okay. And yep. that they also have the right to talk about their feelings and issues and needs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So good. So let's talk soul care for the two. What's the thing, the practices, the rhythms, those activities that we know they need to pay attention to, but maybe talk about some of the hurdles that they're going to run into. And then, some of the things they need to lean into. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, soul care for two looks like setting boundaries. Yeah. Right. I think that's really important. Um, it's okay to say no. It's yeah. okay to let somebody else do it. Uh, it's okay to take a rest. Yes. Even if you could meet the need, but you're exhausted. It's okay to take a rest. So Julie, um, are you saying, are you saying that a, a two is probably going to struggle implementing a true Sabbath? I, I think so. And again, it depends on their level of, of health and where they're at in life. For some, yeah. it's going to be more difficult than for others, but yeah. their pull is always going to be towards the other. Okay. And so if implementing rest means I'm taking time for me, um, they may take it, but they might offer disclaimers of like, well, I've, I haven't had a rest day in a month, so I, yeah. I know I just need to do it. 
Yeah. Um, and it's okay to rest because yes. we're all humans and we all need rest. Right. And yeah. then we get rejuvenated to go out into the world and do the things that we're amazing at doing. Yeah. Good. Um, I think taking time to pause and identify and acknowledge their own needs. Yeah. So oftentimes twos might not even spend enough time reflecting on what are their needs. Right. So it takes some time to figure out what do I need and then to acknowledge it as equally important to other people's needs. Yeah. Um, just waking up every day and remembering I have inherent worth and I am loved regardless of what I do for others today. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether I rest, but leaning into the fact that I can work all week long, helping other people doing the things that God has put in me to do, um, making the world a better place, loving others. And at the end of the day, um, God's going to keep loving others and spinning the world when I need to step back and take a break. Yeah. Sounds a lot like surrender mm -hmm. that yeah. God, you've, you got this, whether I take that meal or not, because I need to rest and I need to put the, the oxygen mask on me at this point yeah. so I can help others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Perko, every number is going to struggle, I think with distraction and busyness to a level and, and all of that. So I think we're all yeah. going to resist Sabbath because being in, within our culture, but yep. it comes back to that who versus what of what. And it's so hard for the two to say who I am matters more than what I do that I could yes. just receive from the Lord for a day. So that receiving is tough because Sabbath, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a gift for you, but you have to unwrap it, right? Yeah. God gives, yeah. but you have to receive. So I've seen that as the, well, there's always a little bit more. There's always a little bit more and the busyness and distraction easily, easily, easily. Why? Because the world's deeply broken and everyone could use some helping. So I yeah. do think that's why surrender and Sabbath are connected uniquely through the two, because yeah. yes, you could go doing those things. Who you are matters more than what you do. And that's hard yeah. to believe. So the Enneagram, like I've said before, is not the quick five-minute online test that gives you <laughs> the summation of who you are. It's a tool to journey with. So the reality is we could talk about the two for years. Oh, yeah. And we and we want to get to the other types. And so as much as I want to, you know, stick stay here and camp here, let's let's dive into the three. A quick overview of the three. I'm going to lean in hard because I need to listen because I think that I may have some tendencies here. Um, but then let's unpack the big you know, questions we're unpacking around marriage, relationships, goals, soul care. Awesome. So our threes are usually called the performer or the achiever. Yeah. Um, essential qualities for our threes are value, glory, and hope. Um, superpower for our threes is picking up on what is valued. Mm. Um, their basic fear is of being worthless or not having um, any inherent value, mm. right? So their desire is they really want to be valuable and worthwhile. They want to be and at least be seen or at least be seen as successful. Mm. They're not going to be a nobody. Like, and success will look different according to your environment. So, you know, according to my family structure, where I live in the world, what I do for a living, like my environment is what determines what success looks like for me. There's not just one standard measure. So that's yeah. why you can have tons of threes that look very different from each other. But the motivation 
you know, we may have to peel back many layers to find it to be true in our life or not. The motivation is I'm not a nobody, you know, I can do this. I'm competent. I'm a hard worker. I'm successful. Yeah. Um, our driving emotion or our emotional drive or our vice for threes is vanity and deceit. Yeah. And what that deceit is really talking about is this ability to kind of uh, morph into whoever you need to be for whatever the situation calls for. Yeah. So part of that is a gift, right? Usually our, our biggest you know, gift is also the thing that we struggle with the most. Yeah. It's two yeah, sides yeah. of the same coin. Yep. And being somebody who can read a room, um, who can go into a space and think this is what I need to be in this space with these people in order to be successful, get the job done. And then you go into a totally different space with different people and like, this is who I need to be in this space in order to get the job done. Threes um, <laughs> are GED people. They get, get her done. done. They figure yeah. out no resources, chameleon-like to be just figure out how to get it done, which is incredible and impressive. Yes, absolutely. And so um, typically threes believe in themselves. They're usually very positive and confident and charming. Um, They're competent and quick. They love goals and achievements. Um, They want to move up, right? Like why would you, so they're competitive. Like why would you not want to be the best in the class? Why would you not want to, um, I've heard threes reflect on their childhood and say, I, you know, I did lots of things, but I was a straight A student and I was a football quarterback and I was president of my class and I was. And again, that doesn't mean that if you were all those things, it doesn't mean you were three and it doesn't mean all threes do all those things. But it's this essential quality of wanting to just to achieve, to be the best so that other people see you as being successful successful and therefore having value. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really the motive is they don't just want to be successful or be seen to be successful for success sake. The real motive is they think if they're not seen as being successful, then no one will value them. Correct. Then they have no worth. Yeah. Um, Because we all have that, you know, underlying subconscious kind of belief about us. And for the three, it really is this belief that I am loved for what I do instead of for who I am. So therefore I have to perform because if I risk not doing that, then will any, does anybody see me? Does anybody love me? Do I have any value? Um, And again, threes are very typically very, you know, confident people. So you wouldn't look at them externally and think, Oh, I bet they struggle with shame and personal value. You know, you don't see that. You <laughs> yeah, don't see that. Winners. <laughs> they yeah. only recognize it if they pause long enough to identify that in themselves because threes are pretty quick moving, right? They're so driven to want to um, do something, like find the work that was made for them to do in the world. Yeah. Right. And move hardcore towards it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. So talk to us about marriage relationships then with the with the three, not just marriage, but relationships in general. Yes. So I would say um, because threes are so good at setting and achieving goals, they're, they can sometimes prioritize those things over their relationships. Yeah. Now, okay. 
But at the same time, if one of your goals or ways that you want to be successful is by rocking it in relationships, then you'll throw all your energy into that. So it depends yeah. on what is it that you're trying to do here. Yeah. Um, but sometimes relationships can get neglected when there's, you know, the, the greater goal, right? I got to get this project done. I got to, you know, speak to these people. I have to do this thing because it's, a, it's kind of a protection of the image. Yeah. Right. Again, I said our heart center people are a little more image conscious. You know, threes are naturally image conscious people. They want yeah. to know that others like them and think they're a big deal. And, you know, um, so that that can cause conflict in a relationship if it's not identified. And if the three doesn't learn when they need to push pause on other things in order to attend to the relationship. But with that being said, I'd say because they're such good uh, achievers, when the other person in the relationship has a goal themselves, they love to help that person get their goal done. I got ideas. I got suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to help you fly. It's going to yeah. be amazing. Right. Yeah. So utilizing that in relationships, um, I think is, is really, and really because awesome. of that, They sell, they sell well. They're yeah. you know, gregarious. People are go, they've got it under control. And then the thing they're selling, they haven't built yet. They've yeah. never even tried it. <laughs> they actually don't know if it'll work. And you are fully convinced it's going to change the world. So and you've already built for sale. You've already given them your credit card details online. Yeah, you bought stock. That's and right. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's going to be delivered. Me, yeah. They call me and go, dude, can you help me build this? I yeah. just sold this. I'm not sure how, but they just sneeze and people want to be part of a vision. Yeah. I may or may not have been a part of a couple of startup businesses where we had a lot of sales in place and we had never produced a, yes. a single thing. Yet. Yes. May well. or may not. Church plants. I have worked with church planners for coming up yeah. on a dozen years. And a lot of threes are like, man, this kind of broken way of doing church, I'm going to sort of recreate it. Here's what I'm going to do. And so I see yeah. a lot of unhealth in the approach to church planting yeah. um, that, that comes from a three that says, we're going to accomplish it the best way it could possibly be done. Yes. And forgetting obviously that it's a family to be cultivated. Yeah, yeah, so good. So good. Keep going, yeah, and, Julie. And I, I feel like you've got something right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> well, I would just love to add that I think um, one thing or a couple things that are so great about threes is they are so forward moving. And yeah. so they want to accomplish something and then like, bam, let's move on. What's the next goal? What's the next dream? And so if you're in a relationship where you guys want to dream about you know, what is next? What are we going to do? What do we want our lives to be about? A three is an excellent partner to help like keep those dreams moving down the road and actually happening. A lot of people sit around and talk about stuff and never get to it. Um, and a three is going to be like, we're, we talked about it. So like tomorrow are we starting or, yeah, you know, how's yeah. this happening? Um, and then when they do hit a setback or a bump in the road, they tend to, um, you know, because they are big dreamers, they tend to recover pretty quickly and like yeah. get back on, get back on the horse and let's keep, let's keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. so a lot no, of those to, that can be very helpful in relationships. I may have been in some meetings in the past where we were talking about the same idea for the second or third time in a row in meetings. And I may have said, Hey guys, if we come back to another meeting next week and talk <laughs> about this without having done anything about it, 
I'm not coming back to these meetings anymore. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I'm out. Yes. Future focus, man. Future I will not, action. Let's go. I will not meet with you anymore <laughs> if we're discussing it again. I, I uh, would say to, to threes in relationships, yeah. be mindful of your energy level and your capacity compared yes. to other people's because oh, we are not so all gifted with yeah. the same amount <laughs> of energy and capacity. Now, every single person has capacity to do amazing things and they're going to look different from each other. But yeah. if a three is looking at somebody else thinking, I could do this, I could stay up all night working, I yeah. could accomplish this six-month goal in three weeks, what's wrong with you that you can't? Yeah. Like You need to pause a little bit and realize that not everybody is built like you are. Yeah. Now, on the other side, that's the three in the relationship. On the other side, if you are a person who loves a three, you need to remember to validate who they are and not withhold that. Because we humans have a tendency to think, I know I can tell that that person wants something from me and I'm not in a good place right now or I'm mad at them right now. So I'm going to withhold that. Yeah. And really it's like the three desires that affirmation. I like, I see you. I see what you did. It was incredible. Like, thank you. That was amazing. And it's not to patronize. It's not, don't say those things if you don't believe them. But if you yeah. do believe them, then voice them generously and don't be stingy with our, you know, love and support and validation of a three. Because it's got to be painful to have this underlying battle of like, you know, am I worthy? Like, if I fail, am I still good? If I yeah. mess up, if I don't accomplish what I set out to do, do I still yeah. have value as a human being, right? That going to that shame place, but yes. I'm going to quickly move it back up to my head and keep pressing forward, right? Because that's yeah. how I'm built. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to remember that. Yeah. Alan, it would seem that threes then need little to no coaching around achieving <laughs> goals. <laughs> but I don't think that that's a true statement. I think that there is some coaching that still needs to be, to be had in All right. goal achievement. When, when they even smell like it's getting close to a goal season, they just love goals. They go, oh, man, I get excited. And the yeah. goals are going to be huge. So often I'll say, is that realistic? I'll say yeah. to a three who's goal setting, is that realistic? The second one I'll say is who is going to help you accomplish that? Yeah, I've, that's so good. I've worked on projects where we go to bed and they're going to get the next thing back to me a couple days later. Well, the editing is done because they stayed up all night and did it. So yeah. they got it done. But is that realistic to continue at that level? Also, how long can you continue at that pace is the question that I will ask a three. Because yeah. there are fits and spurts and maybe you could run for a month and just say, this can be a really busy month. When are you going to pull up and stop running that pace? Also, yeah. how does your spouse feel about you continuing to run at that pace? So a lot yeah. is around pace, but yeah. man, goals bigger, better. I'm going to grip it and rip it. So, you know, last year, if our company made 3 million, we're going to do 12 this year. Last year, if we did X amount of events, we're going to quadruple it, you know? And so a lot of those unrealistic goal setting ends up putting them and their team and their family and their friends through a ton of extra um, pain and weight. And honestly, a lot of people look at threes and what they're accomplishing and either two looks bewildered. I, I don't even know. I don't even live at that scale. I have no idea. Or I'm exhausted just looking at all the things they're doing and accomplishing. So yeah. people often feel like they're out of reach, especially yeah. with their goals. Yeah. 
So good because I think you keep coming back to over and over again, what's the motivation? What's the motivation? I have a mantra that I've been saying to myself for probably the last 12 months. I keep telling myself, life is not a race, so live at a slower pace. Because I think that threes possibly, if I am one, think that everything is a competition, including life. Yep. And so I'm just yep. going to go crazy because so I want to be win this race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But life isn't yeah. a race. It's a live at a slower pace. I love that. So good. So I obviously I'm hearing throughout the conversation around relationships and goals and things, a lot of things around soul care, but maybe just talk briefly for the three around practices and rhythms that they need to pay attention to for their soul. So I would say to when a three is trying to accomplish something to pause and ask themselves, why is this important to me? Yeah. Right. I would encourage threes to spend time in solitude. And then when they come out of that, they can, you know, the solitude is the soul care. But when they come out of that, if we're talking about goals, like they can set goals from a place of rest instead of from this frenetic pace. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say practicing mindfulness, right? Remember that success is authentic and it's not something that they need to um, strive, <clears throat> excuse me, strive so hard for. Okay, mm -hmm. as a three, you are loved just by being. And that's, I think that's where some of the pausing to be quiet for a little while. I've, I've um, talked to a three who said, I don't want to be quiet for 10 minutes a day because I'm afraid of where that will send my mind. And the risky thing is that might send my mind to a place of, you know, of, of shame or questions or like, can I even get it to pause or will I just be thinking about work or what I'm accomplishing that afternoon? Um, but I would say to try to sit in silence for 10 minutes a day um, and to regularly ask yourself, what are you feeling, right? And then what is this feeling trying to tell me? Because yeah. threes want to logic their feelings because yeah. feelings are not convenient um, when you're trying to get something done. And so they want to um, push them off to a later date or, like I said, send them up to their brain to think about it. But sometimes our feelings are telling us something about what's important to us or what's missing. And so to pause and identify, you know, what am I feeling and what is it trying to tell me? Yeah, I keep the feeling wheel I don't know if you're familiar with the feelings mm -hmm. wheel. I keep it super handy. It's a favorites in my photos on my phone because I've had to learn to, to identify, hey, you've got a feeling, number one. <laughs> That's, mm -hmm. I know for some people listening to this, they're going to be like, how does somebody live their life not noticing that they even have a feeling? But threes yep. can do a really good job of not even noticing yep. they have a feeling. Then identify what that feeling is. Where is it coming from? What does it mean? What's the motivation? Those are such powerful stuff. That is so and good, Julie. You talked about resisting Sabbath earlier. We're all resisting Sabbath yeah. to a level and for a reason. Yes. Sabbath is war for a three. Yeah. Like yeah. just acknowledge that, man, if there is a three that leans into practicing Sabbath, I'm, I just congratulate them and say, man, I'm, I am so proud of you for leaning in here because I know that what could give you a quick dopamine hit is to do more, accomplish more. I know you take a big risk 
So maybe the three takes the biggest risk on Sabbath. And yet, obviously, that that is the soul care uh, that Jesus says. This is the silver bullet of soul care right here. But I am so proud when threes lean in because yeah. I think it costs them perhaps more than any other number. So challenge for a three, go yeah. on vacation and don't take any work with you. Yeah. So here, what you just said, super encouraging for me. Um, Cause I, I Sabbath hardcore, um, but lock, like locking my phone and my laptop on a vacation in that thing in the hotel room that you mm-hmm. can't get in the safe and mm-hmm. telling Kristen, my wife to put the code on it so that the mm-hmm. only time I can access that is and no she- reading <laughs> books that I could learn from only fun yeah. books. Like- Quit trying to learn. Yeah. Pick up a yeah. Novel. <laughs> so, so here's a classic, um, Here's a classic adaptation for a three on Sabbath. I have the physical paper, like the actual newspaper that you can touch and feel delivered to my home only on Saturdays because getting a cup of tea and staying off of digital is, Mm -hmm. is so good. And I just enjoy now for the first time in my life, reading like stories and reading about like uh, places to go on holidays and things like nothing to do with accomplishing a goal. You're reading the travel and leisure section. I'm so proud of you. That's exactly what I do. I can't wait to get the the paper on Saturday morning with my cup of tea and read the travel and leisure section. It's my favorite. All right, man, let's flip the mic. Are you, you resonating a little bit here? Absolutely. Is this smelling three? Okay. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. And I've always, I would, you know, for the last five years, people have asked me what Enneagram type I am. I tell them I'm a 37. And they're like, no, there's only nine. There's only a, there's only nine. I'm like, no, there's, there's 37. Um, Cause I'm a, so yeah, awesome. but, I am. No, yeah. I, if, if you end up being a three, I will just point back to that conversation. Would you just yes. consider maybe if you are a three, if I'm wrong, yes. that, that's yes. okay. Well, would you just yeah. consider that? Several yeah. types can, can be quite lookalikes. So yeah. Well, notice I said a 37 and not a 73. Uh, I think, I think uh, maybe there's some leanings there. So good guys. So for the sake of time though, let's dive into type four. Um, Julie, lead us into this conversation. Awesome. I love fours. Fours are called the romantic or the individualist. Mm. So essential qualities for four include identity, depth, and beauty. Um, Their superpower is really empathy. So Fours are probably the best of any number on the Enneagram at being able to sit with other people in their pain without Mm. feeling like they need to fix it. Because most of the time um, we will sit with other people. We find out somebody's hurt or somebody lost somebody or somebody lost a job or there's some sort of pain in somebody's life. And what do we want to do? Fix it. We want to cheer them up. We want to fix it as quickly as possible. And I think we, we can believe to ourselves that it's for them, right? I yeah. want to cheer them up because I don't want to see my friend hurting and I want to make it better. But oftentimes the reality is we want them to feel better because it makes us feel uncomfortable that they're hurting. Uh, and because fours feel comfortable sitting in melancholy or pain, yes. they can sit with you in yours and, and just be present for it. They can hold that space for you without yeah. feeling like you instantly need to get better. You can just be sad in their presence. Yeah. Uh, they will let you do that. 
What's They're motivating really, really that, great. Julie? What's what's motivating their okayness, contentedness with being in that space? I think so much of it is just their deep souls, right? Yeah. They were created as feelers. So again, not just because they're in the heart center, but also because of their hardwiring, they just experience life through their feelings and emotions. They have big feelings. They have high highs. They have low lows. Um, oftentimes fours when they're growing up, they're so into their emotions and their feelings. And sometimes they're sent very sensitive that other people who aren't wired that way think, what is wrong with you? Like yeah. snap out of it. Um, they get messages like you're too much, mm. which feels very devastating to yeah. be receiving that message, either actually verbally or just subconsciously when people treat you that way. Yeah. But they, they have this, they want depth. They want authenticity. They want creativity and beauty. They want to go sit in a field and watch the sunset and write a poem about it. Like they just have amazing feelers. Yeah. Um, and, and so therefore I think they're comfortable in all emotions and that includes yeah. the harder negative ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their content, by the way, the fours, the content they create is what I long oh, for as a three. Amazing. Maybe. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not an accident that you see a lot of fours in the arts, music, yes. you know, yes. writers, painters, yep. theater, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they're also not afraid to stand out. Like fours yeah. want to be different, special, unique. They don't want to be like everybody else. Um, yep. And oftentimes we all want to fit inside the box, right? We want to, yep. we want to be like everybody else so that we're not um, cast away so that we fit in. And fours are very much like, I'm not like you. You're not, no one else is like me. Like yeah. I am my own person, which is very true. Like there yep. may only be nine numbers, but there's still billions of people in the world yeah, and there's no yeah. two who are exactly alike. Right. Yeah. No, um, that kind of emotional drive or vice for our fours is yeah. envy. Uh -huh. But I heard this said um, recently and I thought it was so powerful. This vice of envy for fours, it's less about jealousy. Okay. And it's more about longing. Uh, it's, okay. It's when I see what you have, it reminds me of what I don't have mm. that I long for. Yeah. So yeah. this doesn't have to necessarily mean material possessions. It could be, you know, a soulmate or, yeah. you know, something else along those lines. But their envy is more about longing. It's just a yeah. reminder that what you have, I don't have, and I long yeah. for it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So talk to um, us about these guys in relationships then. Yes. In marriage, especially, because it sounds like to me, let me kind of understand this correctly. Their envy is not an attack on a person. No. It's the object of their envy is not the person. It's the thing that they long for. It's a different object of their envy. It, and it's about them. Right. Yeah. It's 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 not so much about like, I don't like you for what you have. It's I feel incomplete for what I don't have. Okay. So fours tend to grow up with this sense of like, there is just something fundamentally different about me than other people yeah. or they envy the ease at which other people just seem to be able to exist in the world. They just feel different from other yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but I would also say that fours are very much truth tellers. 
like they're truth tellers, especially for connection. If something authentic needs to be said, they yeah. will say it. Okay. Because they really care about that depth and connection. Yeah. So, I mean, it's in the title, the romantic, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel like you'd be lucky to be in relationship with the four because they just, they crave and see that beauty and depth in even in just the idea of romantic connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, creative um in that aspect so they probably pull off a really really meaningful date and a really meaningful proposal (laughs) yeah and it and you're exactly right it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shallow or just thrown together it would have depth to it and every portion of the evening would have some sort of significant meaning or you know memory associated with it or something like that yeah they're the ones that kept all of the the chewing gum wrappers and, and drew the little <laughs> sketches on them and then put them together at the end so that they could do the proposal. Or well. this was yeah. the napkin from our first date or something yeah. like that. I don't so, know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, you know, something that can be hard for both fours and their partners is that because they can experience emotions so intensely yes. um, and other people don't experience them as intensely, they can be viewed by their partner as being too much sometimes which is yeah. incredibly painful to them because then it just makes them feel under, misunderstood. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think knowing this stuff can completely transform relationships. Yeah, if you know that your partner it. is hardwired to be an emotionally sensitive mm-hmm. person, then it is not their job to change their own hardwiring. It yeah. is your job to change the way that you interact with them. Yeah. So yeah. in like kind of a ministry moment, Perko, a lot of um, lead pastors, when they begin, we, we do Enneagram trainings for churches and teams and people know we're Enneagram people. So they reach out saying, I'm having a hard time, all of these creative people. And so either assuming that all of your creatives are fours or all yeah. of your fours, you know, sort of that's the space. But um, often uh, can be true. There can be a lot of fours in, you know, creating the beauty and those kind of things there's often a disconnect if there's sort of a driver at the head of an org that, that needs particular things done, needs them done in a budget and needs them done in a timeline. And you're saying like, give me the time and the space to be able to do this. So it, it's, it's not always, uh, you know, the pastor versus the worship pastor kind of thing, but often a lot of the creatives that are making beautiful things happen, let's just say there's tension there um, yeah. and make sure that they're honoring the four and giving them time and space to create beauty um, because that can be a really hard thing. But I, I've been in the middle of several of those conversations going, <laughs> how do I communicate without sort of driving them into the ground and yeah. still bringing out the beauty? It's a dance. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. The executive, the executive posture is a little frustrated around the, uh, the creative team's budget or maybe just even getting their receipts in so that we know what their budget and actuals are. <laughs> that could be helpful. <laughs> But gosh, darn it. The team is like, everything that we're doing is important, beautiful, and authentic. So don't rush me. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, but gosh, darn it, that executive pastor, he so badly, or his family so badly, wants to come to that beautiful Christmas experience that they're going to put on. And that's where we've just got to see the value on every side. So important. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Talk to us then. Okay. If I'm a four and I just want to get out into the field and and write my poetry for the Christmas event, but I got some deadlines to get done because, mm, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, Christmas has a deadline every year. 
Like that Christmas Eve experience. <laughs> it's the same day every it's year. It's the 24th. You better have <laughs> your poem ready. So talk to us yes. then about achieving. If I, I, I want to sit out in the field and write the poem, but what does it look like to reach goals? Um, for our fours, I would say, make sure you put emphasis on the progress instead of just the results, okay. right? Because the result, it will sneak up on you that December yeah. 24th. Yeah. So set goals to make progress. Um, because they're more likely to be focused on their feelings, it's good to have an accountability friend who will remind them of their why, right? Because sometimes our feelings change every day or moment to moment. Yeah. And so if if we have feelings attached to our goals, which we all do, then we might need a friend to come in and remind us of our why when we're not in a good feeling day. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, and I would also really encourage them to see, I would ask a four, do your goals align with your values? Yeah. Because fours care so much about authenticity. Like a three is more likely going to be that's my goal. I'm going to knock it out of the park, whether it's one of my values or not. My value is accomplishing my goals. Right. And for a four, it's going to be like, this goal does not match up with what I value as a human. And because of their deep yeah. desire for authenticity, they may not actually decide to reach that goal if it doesn't match up with their values. Yeah. Which I think that a three could learn a lot from the four in saying, hey, listen, a goal is not just to be accomplished because it's a goal, you know, does it really get you to where you want to be? What do you really value? Yeah. That's so good. Yep. You can learn so much from yep. them. Yeah. 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 And, and I would say when it comes to soul care, I would remind fours to trust their intuition. Yeah. And their ideas. Yeah. Um, they, they doubt themselves because of the outside world, but when they can go internal and just trust their own intuition they usually do very well. Um, I would say to catch yourself when you are starting to envy other people's lives or happiness or relationships okay, um, or ease in the world because everybody's got something that you don't see. So it's easy to just see the outside and think, oh, I wish I had, I wish my relationship was like that. Everyone's yeah. killing it on Instagram. <laughs> right? Absolutely. We're all watching the highlight reels. Yeah. And, and to catch yourself yeah. in that moment. And, and yeah. that doesn't mean catch yourself and go to shame. Oh, there I did it again. I, mm -hmm. I was envying my neighbor, or my friend or whatever. The point is not shame. The point is to catch yourself and to pause and then use that to practice that opportunity to practice gratitude. Because gratitude is amazing soul care for all of us, but especially for our fours. Okay, so if you Julie, think about. Sorry, I was just going to say. Go ahead, chase that. Yeah, because Julie, um, you just said something about um, changing the way you're thinking, but it's not just hey, I got to cut something off, but it's mm -hmm. also replacing that with gratitude, which I yeah. think is a key point because it's one thing to try and tell yourself, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think that way anymore. I've got to stop being envious. But it's another thing to then replace that with something that's healthy, mm -hmm. which I think that's what you yeah. were saying. Otherwise, you go right back to the old habit. Yeah. It, yeah. it has to move beyond just being envious and then spotting it. And if you don't replace it with anything, you're only going to go to shame every time. It's going to be yeah. back and forth between envy and yeah. shame, envy and shame. You have to replace that with gratitude of all the things that you're amazing at, the things that you have in your life, the experiences you've had, the opportunities you've had the way that Jesus made you unique from everybody else, like to, to shift that into a spirit of gratitude. 
will be tremendously yeah. helpful and healing. I think yeah. in the soul care space, two things to think through is number one comparison. I mean, social media is a dumpster fire for most of us. Let's just acknowledge that yes. comparison is the great creativity killer. But I feel like it has an extra life, uh, unfortunately, in force. And I think it really could be that quick comparison, right? You, my worst moments versus their best. But the second one is celebration that I think yeah. you're awful at celebrating. I mean, we, we worship at the idol of the future, what's next, what's ahead. But if you think about it, if longings literally sort of baked into the soul of a four, yes. then remembering to celebrate, that was always the call to Israel to go spiritual for a minute. Remember what I did for you. Remember where I brought you from. Remember you were slaves and now you're free. So I think just that, again, all these things are good for all of us, but I think that will have a special life is to celebrate instead of to compare. And I think to dovetail on gratitude, just to say, God, you've been good, not just the longings. Here's what I want. Yeah. What would that look like then guys in a practice? Like if, if you would say, Hey, I want to build this into the rhythm of my lifestyle. What do you, how do you see that playing out? You mean specifically with gratitude? Yeah. Specifically with this issue of, of, of not comparing and then with mm -hmm. gratitude, is it a practice of, hey, I don't have social media, you know, available to me 24 hours a day, or I only look at it twice a week. And then I also have this practice of I write a thank you note or I, you know, I celebrate gratitude in this way. What what mm -hmm. practices would you suggest? Yeah, I, I think, you know, each person has to figure out what fits best for them. If you just want to knock it out of the park first thing in the morning, then there's the obvious, like you wake up, you have your cup of coffee and you sit down and you write down 10 things that you're thankful for, 10 yeah. things that you're grateful for. And then you start the day with a heart of gratitude. And maybe you notice those little things that pop up that make you envious or stuff like that, but either they don't have as big of a hold because you already started your day in a place of gratitude or if you, because those things won't completely go away. Our whole nature doesn't change just because we, you know, have a few good habits. It certainly, yes. certainly helps and is very worth implementing, but that doesn't mean our struggles are going to go away. Yeah. Um, and, and there's also just the, the mental habit of identifying when you are struggling mm -hmm. with envy and choosing to spin it yeah. into a situation of gratitude. It's good. And then sometimes you just have to put limits on your life if they are better for your mental health, which might be, you know, limiting your social media, not getting together with that one friend who only gossips about so-and-so or whatever, like notice what are the habits in my life that are not bringing me life and how could yes. I limit or reduce those and then change them with something, mm -hmm. replace them with something that is bringing me life. I, I think a self-awareness question that I bring to everybody that I coach is I, I say, pay attention to what you pay attention to. So okay. what can you not let go of? And I mean, I can be in the middle of a meeting. I take a nap every day, but yep. I could be in the middle of a meeting, Perko, and do a quick Marco Polo to somebody. I promise you, I'm asleep 90 seconds later on the couch and yeah. I'm out. But if somebody says, I am up at night thinking about that one scenario or thinking about this person, pay attention to what you pay attention to. That's not healthy. So then I would say time blocking would be really, really mm -hmm. Helpful. I know some some people that go as as far as to uninstall apps and then have to reinstall them just because it's a pain 
to go through that kind of thing. Um, and I would just say, man, know where your vices are at, but likely yeah. there's going to be a lot around comparison. And if that's stealing life instead of bringing it, then cut it out. I would say Sabbath too, tech Sabbaths, man. I'm a, I'm a big yeah. fan of those. And there are times when I stay on tech a little too much for Sabbath and go, dang, I don't think I really Sabbathed today. Yeah. 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 You get to the end of the day and you're like, that wasn't replenishing at all. Right. You know, yeah. that, that wasn't refreshing. It didn't cause me to delight in God's goodness to, to me in my, in my life and give him glory yep. for it. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, guys, thank you so much for unpacking, you know, the first of the three triads that we're going to be discussing in these conversations, the heart center triad, Enneagrams two, three, and four. Thank you guys for the gift of your time. And uh, I'm super stoked about the next two triads as we unpack those in further conversations. So thanks so much for everything. And Julie, you are a well of knowledge. As I'm listening, mm-hmm. I can tell that you've, you have invested a lot of time and energy into this. And Alan, I love the coaching things that you've brought out because I just feel like you obviously too have spent a lot of time in the coaching space helping different Enneagram types overcome some of these things. So the two of you together, I think just make for a great experience for people with the Enneagram. So thanks for your time. Thank you. I think we'll stick together then. This has been fun. We're excited to do the next one. All right, man. We'll be back. We'll be back. Let's do a few more of these. So long.